We're back to Neil Haley's show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program from NBC Shades of Blue, Ray Liotta. Ray, thanks for calling. How are you? Good. How are you, Neil? I am doing absolutely fantastic, and I wanted to tell you that my wife and I watch the show every week. It's not a DVR. It's We sit down when it airs live, and we just have been just so excited about how awesome the show is, and we're such huge fans of yours. I know. It's a shame that they canceled it. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the last season. And I, I, when I heard that, I was kind of disappointed. Why is that, Ray? Can you even say? Why is that, Ray? I have... I have no idea. I have theories. I've got, I, I could point a lot of fingers at certain people, but uh, it's just, uh, I, I, I really have no idea. I think Jennifer, she has such a full plate, and to do a, a, a series like this is, it's hard to be able to do other things as when you're doing this. It's just, it's just extremely taxing the hours go on forever and yeah you know, exactly you don't have your weekends free because you're learning lines so it's it's definitely something that it, the, it's disappointment but it's again what happened to you last season that really kind of and and jennifer was pretty rough wasn't it for the fans to say what's going to happen next with your with your characters yeah i know it starts off six months like after what you see at the end of the of last year, um, and that, now what's happening is um, somebody gets murdered, and Jennifer wants to go about getting the person that that's uh, a friend, that means a lot to her. She wants to do things more with, on the straight and narrow where my character wants to do things the old way because it's just much more effective and it's, and it's quicker. And, you know, she sets out to do something. She's trying to, you know, I, and I have to help her out again, as, as I do a lot of times. But she, she, she wants to do things the right way, and I, I want to keep it the edgy way. Ray, we knew your character is not going to, to, to turn to the, to the good side. He, he just, he's been through too much, hasn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah, this season, e even more so. I start to have flashbacks in my mind of, of my daughter who committed suicide. Um, and I, that I felt that I kind of pushed her towards, not what, making her do it, but just something that I said. It was kind of like a, a last straw before oh she killed herself. So I feel extremely guilty about that. And I have these flashbacks with my daughter and my daughter, me, Ray, my daughter, Carson, uh, she played the part. So it was really great. Oh, that, uh, she did that, a good job. And it, re yeah. it, it added an unbelievable weightiness to, to, to some of the scenes. So was that exciting to have her involved in this project, especially your whole, have your daughter in this, involved in this? Yeah, totally, totally. She was great. She just was very natural, and, you know, she's been watching me on sets for years, her whole life, and it, this is something that she wants to do, and she's already gotten a few movies and and did them, won some acting award uh, uh, from a, uh, a festival. So she's doing really good with it. She's going to be moving here to New York pretty soon, I think. That's fantastic. Again, we're talking to Ray Liotta of NBC's Shade of Blue here on the Neil Haley Show. And Ray, uh, uh, the, your character, uh, we, we were by the end of the season, we're going to really find out all the demons, aren't we? A lot of them. I mean, they didn't write this this uh, season as a final season. They're, they're they're not wrapping things up as if. Uh, it was going to be a, a, the last time people were going to see the show. We just found out a few weeks ago that NBC pulled it, and not sure of the of the reason why. But but so yes, you do find out a lot of things, but it's not a wrap up like it would have been if we knew it was the last season. We're all kind of disappointed. Well, I think I'm one of the most disappointed, Ray, because, again, I think that this is one of the best police shows out ever. 
because of because just because of just the talent of you and Jennifer and and the the, the cast that surround you guys. It just you work so well together. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We're all gonna miss doing it. And it's interesting, right? You know, especially with the t- movies, television, having a show like this with two high-powered people like you and Jennifer, and how that social media and that and that connection and all the fans—they should all be really upset and continue to just, hey, say, you know, we love this show. Wish it could stay. Yeah, I, uh, it would be great if somebody started some writing campaign to, you know, or have another network pick it up. I know that's happened to some show this year where it went from Fox to ABC, uh, it would be nice. But Jennifer was so much a part of it that it would definitely have to be a a different show. I mean, they could, I I think what it is is she has so much on her plate that doing this was just, you know, made it too impossible on her. It was too much of a demand, you know, because she's got that dance show that's now two hours a uh, a week, and and her Vegas show, so it was hard to do all the all the things. And this is is this really takes a lot out of you, and it, you really need to put uh, time and effort into it. And Ray, I think that also when you talk about social media and things like that, this is something different for you, especially getting this high profile of the show on television and then seeing how the, you really can connect with the fans more, Ray, than years before in your career. Wouldn't you agree, especially with how, with how, how much this has gotten strong on social media and your fan base? Well, I mean, it certainly helped. I mean, really, Goodfellas and Field of Dreams have really what most people talk about uh this this show did really good once you added in the what they call the plus threes and the plus sevens because they they have an equation now where they add uh they take some numbers that represent people who uh uh what do they call it dvr oh yeah dvr yeah they they, they put Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they DVR the show, and so they take the three days, and then they take it for seven days. So we were averaging about ten million, um, which is really good. But I, uh, I'd sure like to get to the bottom of why this happened. I think I, ha- I have my theories. Oh, do you know what, Ray? Are you that kind of person? It sounds like your characters that you play in movies are—is it like you? Would you say, Ray? This character? Yeah, any of your characters. Not in certain ways, certain... Uh, the way you're saying, uh, we're going to find out what's happening and why it happened. It sounds like your characters. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just talking me, Ray, wants to find out. Yes. From NBC. Yeah. Not, not yeah. me, Ray Wozniak. <laughs> no, I understand that, Ray. I'm just... You know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying your characters are a lot like you and chatting with you and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. think so? Yeah, exactly. You're saying, I'm going to get down to the bottom of this and find out what's happening. And you're really, you know, straight. Some of these other people are not, for sure. Really? You, you, think, that's just a mo- that's, you think that's just a movie term? No, I don't. Get to the bottom of this? I don't think so. I think it's you, Ray. I don't think it's you, Ray. Okay. All right, best place we can find information on you, connect to you, social media. Everyone needs to tune in Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. But where can we connect with you? Oh, you're on social media and stuff, right, Ray? That's it. You're on social media and stuff, right, Ray? No. I mean, I, I was during the show. Somebody was doing it for me. I'm not really into that whole stuff. I, I mean, I use it as a telephone and <laughs> maybe to send an email or two. Uh, so somebody I work with, and I would tell them certain things that I you know, wanted to say about the show, but... Uh, I really haven't done it since last year when I, when I was filming the show. All right. Well, uh, good talking to you, Ray. Everyone loves you, and, and thanks for coming on the show, and a huge fan, and we'll be tuning in all season, okay? Thanks. I appreciate it, Neil. All right. Take it, Ray. See you. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show in the Toll Celebrity segment, and I'm excited to welcome to the program Derek Huff of World of Dance. Derek, how are you? How are you, Derek? Good. How you doing? Fantastic, Derek. Great to have you on the show. I know. Tell us about that experience so far, and how the explosion of dance since you started your career. You got to be just so amazed, aren't you? 
Oh, man. Well, World of Dance Season 2 um, is just its remarkable. It really is. The level of dancing, performances, the, the artistry, the athleticism, it really is just on another level. It, um, it, it, it's incredible. And the, the, da- the dancers from all over the world coming together under this, you know, on the stage, producing just the most entertaining and just high-energy performances. It's just, it's incredible. And aren't you amazed at the growth, Derek? It's, uh, it's got to be unbelievable from you know, when you first started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, being a dancer, it felt like kind of a small world um, when I started dancing and competing around, and I competed around the world, you know, traveling all around and, and competing. And, and uh, you know, just seeing this, this, this growth of dance in the past decade um, has been just amazing and and what i love is seeing you know the knowledge from from you know people um who you know aren't necessarily like in the dance world directly but who appreciate it and who are entertained by it and who love it um it's uh it's been amazing to be a part of that sort of um evolution or even revolution of dance uh for this past decade and again, we're talking to Derek Huff here on the Neil Haley Show from World of Dance. And Derek, I tell you, uh, you've just been surprised at the contestants and how they get better and better each and every year and how more and more people are getting involved in dance. And that's what we're talking to you today is about your master class, Derek. Yes, yes. Well, you know, one of the things that, I mean, for me, being a coach, being a teacher and a mentor, a choreographer, I mean, those are such fulfilling aspects of what I do. I love connecting and um and teaching uh and especially when you when you're teaching somebody who, who feels like they aren't a dancer or they can't dance and then um and all of a sudden they had that moment where like wait a minute i'm in control of my body i understand what i'm doing um and it's sort of this light goes on and when they when you feel connected to your body and, and it gives you this confidence because you know people will say well I'm, I'm not really confident i don't have confidence and you know confidence isn't something that you exactly, have it's yeah. something that you create and I feel like, you know, when you dance, when you are in control of your body, it gives you that sort of confidence. You create that. And with this master class series, um, you know, I'm going to be teaching, you know, cha-cha, jive, and contemporary, and urban dance with Keone Amari from season one, who are amazing. Um, and it's very accessible. You could be a beginner. You could be yes. a non-dancer. You could be yeah. a professional dancer. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's something in it for everybody. And um, you can actually go to World of Dance Masterclass.com and, and purchase the lessons and the classes. And you can watch it over and over again. You can go at your own pace, um, which I love because if I'm, if I'm teaching you one-on-one, we might have like an hour lesson together, but then that's it. With this, you can watch it as many times as you need to watch it, and, and it's on, at your fingertips. And what's cool, too, as well, is that there's um, – with each class, there's also a, a performance at the end of the class that kind of, you know, uh, it, it's also for fun, for entertainment, but also if you want to learn it. So, um, yeah. And, it's, and what's great, too, about this class, too, these classes, is it's very high quality. Right. You know, it's, it's very high quality. Um, there's, there's some really great methods and, and things that I use in there that really help um, you understand and not be sort of, Intimidated by in by dancing, I think that we get we hear the word dance yes. and we get scared. Um, but when really it's just movement, we're just it's just organized movement, and we move every single day, you know. Um, and so when you make that relationship between just everyday movement with you know organized movement, then you start to become a dancer. We're talking to Derek Huff from World Dance here on the Neil Haley Show. And Derek, uh, I have two left feet. Can you teach me how to dance? Absolutely. Absolutely. I really believe this. I really, truly believe that there is rhythm. There is this, this primal, um, it's primal to dance, to be in, in all of us. I mean, if you look at a toddler, a little baby, you know, before they can walk, you put music on, they're bobbing their heads, they're rocking back and forth. I think that we all have this internal um, rhythm and, and dancer in, in us all. And I think that it's just tapping into that, breaking down the walls of insecurities or or a fear of dancing and, and get moving and, uh, and, you know, set yourself free, you know? And your, your master class, Derek, will that teach people, uh, even like the ability level of someone like myself to take this class? Absolutely. Yes. It covers the spectrum, you know, from, from beginners or people who've never danced before 
um, to where we can really break it down and you can really understand it and, uh, and feel comfortable, feel safe, and you're entertained. And also for me personally, like I, I, I always like to incorporate, because dancing for me is not just about dancing and the movement. It's really about yourself and about connecting to yourself. And, and you know, for me, that, that's, that's what it's all about. And uh, um, it's definitely something for everybody in, this, in these master classes. What is your favorite style of dance, Derek? My favorite style? Um, I guess it depends. It depends on the music. I, I think the music always drives the routine and, and the style. Um, but I, I love dancing jive. It's so much fun. It's so entertaining. It's, it's high energy. Um, I love dancing contemporary, you know, with the storytelling and the emotion and tapping into this sort of raw vulnerability uh, within yourself. That's really powerful, actually. Um, um, yeah, you know, I, I feel like I feel so passionate about dancing and about seeing people dance and about teaching people about dance and 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 how to dance as well. That that's what this master class is all about. It's about um, it's about sharing. It's about serving. You know, um, people at home and and giving them this opportunity to uh, to, to learn and to grow and to to, to learn something different. And do you feel being a judge on the show, Derek, that again, when you talk about Jennifer Lopez and yourself seeing the different styles of dance and what you think's better, do you see, are you seeing that kind of situation sometimes, Derek? Um, what's better between different styles? Yeah. Yeah. And how you guys judge you and Jennifer and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, what I love about the way we judge on world of dance is that, you know, obviously our initial reaction, our initial um, you know, yeah, our initial reaction and response to the performances is obviously, you know, important, but also we have these judging paths where we go down and we break it down, you know, from choreography to transitions to um, creativity to execution to cleanliness. I mean, there's so many different variables that create a great performance. It's, a, it's getting that right formula. Um, and we're able to really break down each performance to really make it an even, an even playing field to where we can judge you know, a group of 30 next to, you know, a soloist. Um, and, uh, and that's what's so great about these, uh, this ju the judging system. All right, Derek, where's the best place we can find information on you, World of Dance and everything, so people can go sign up for the class right now and also tune in to World of Dance every week? Yeah, worldofdancemasterclass.com. Um, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah. World yeah, and, and, and check out World of Dance for the season two. It's it's uh, it's amazing. It's on fire this season, just on another level. You must love this. And this is again becoming this star. When you first started out in dance, you never thought that the dancers are going to become stars, which is fantastic because a lot of times people forget about the dancers. They look at singers. They look at other people in performance. And the world of arts is really changing thanks to this dance movement. And you're part of it, Derek, for sure. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I much appreciate it. Thank right. you. Oh, take care, Derek. Thanks for calling. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show in the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm so excited to welcome the program. Marlon Wayans from NBC's Marlon. Marlon, thanks for calling, man. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a huge fan of In Living Color. I've had Tommy Davidson on my show um, countless times, and it's, it's so great to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Tommy's crazy. I love Tommy. Isn't, isn't Tommy! he? So, what, what did you learn from Tommy? Let's go. You know, especially you know, you came into in living color at, at close to the end. What did you learn from Tommy? Um, I learned that uh, his commitment to physicality and his energy in every scene. Um, I learned uh, it was um, like amazing. I learned there are no small parts, only small actors, um, and uh, that you can make the most of every moment. Uh, Tommy never let any moment just be a moment. No matter what character he was doing, Tommy always gave it his all. And that's key, and that's so important. And then I guess the experience when you talk about In Living Color, it was just such a huge thing to, to, to jumpstart the rest of your career, right? Wouldn't you say just to be part of that cast and working with such unbelievable comics and, and the Wayans brand itself, right? I was lucky. I was so lucky to go to uh, – In Living Color was comedy college for me. 
I got to uh, work with greats like Damon and Keenan uh, and Jim Carrey and Kelly Copefield and Kim. And, you know, I was just a young buck. And I, I remember all all those lessons, just sitting there watching those guys in their prime just be brilliant. And uh, 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 20 years later now, I'm, I'm, I have the opportunity to execute the same thing on my show, Marlon, uh, and I apply all of that. And it's so it's so important because when you learn in those skits, you learn how to develop characters. You learn so many different things, and you learn how comics and comedy works. And you said that was it was a school for you for sure. Yeah, I mean that 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 if without that school, I don't know if I'd be the comedian that I am today. And I also know how hard the work is. And that's why I'm on the road working every weekend to try and get better. Uh, because the more you work, the, the harder you work, the better you get, and the longer time you will have in this industry. Um, and uh, for me, I, I, this is a, uh, a marathon, not a sprint. I don't want to. I've been in the game 25 years, and I feel like my best years are ahead of me. And I truly believe this. We're talking to Marlon Wayans on NBC's Marlon on the Neil Haley Show and looking at, uh, again, the next opportunity you had, which was Scary Movie. So you go from one unbelievable brand to Scary Movie with uh, Keenan. And, and this this is huge because you're a writer now. So you go from, you know, learning from comedians and working your craft to then writing. And that must have been an unbelievable experience with Scary Movie. It was. I remember Keenan sent me um, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker when I was nine years old. Oh, I love that movie. And, uh, yeah. and I read that script, and I laughed my behind off, and I was like, wow, my brother wrote that. I want to be a writer. And from that day on, um, I started writing young, and we wrote Don't Be a Menace, and then uh, created a scary movie, uh, White Chicks, Little Man, and um, you know, it was always a dream to get to the level where I could work with my big brother. Uh, and partner with him, and uh, we was able to accomplish that. And uh, for me, that, I mean, like, you know, there's no greater, nothing greater than working with your hero. Absolutely. And then now, Marlon, to have your own show, you, I'm sure this is a dream of yours, Marlon, forever to say, okay, now uh, my show, Marlon, and looking at the specific things. And I love the, the, the storyline because, again, uh, a couple that uh, separate, decide to still work together. And there's so many families like that, aren't there, Marlon, that have uh, were yeah, so in, in so many ways. Yeah. So many broken families, but the reality of it is sometimes your heart is broken, your ego is broken, but you don't have to break your family. You find a way to make it work, find a way to become friends, and uh, because I think it's important for kids to see that their mama and daddy can uh, love them and love each other as well. So, so true. And uh, coming up with that storyline, did you write this as well, Marlon, the show? The, the no, life, life wrote it for me. I... <laughs> I, I, my my ex uh, kicked me to the curb, and then um, I, after that, we had to figure it out. And so uh, we just learned to be great friends, and we still go on vacations together. We still, you know, hang out. Um, I still spend a night over there sometimes, um, and I date my family. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's and that's so. It's reality meets life in so many ways in the show and going through that. But again, this blended family such an important part of a situation that people see this show as something that hey, this is this does happen in real life. We are not the Cosby Show anymore. You know, there are there are broken families. There are, there are people that get divorced, but they have to make it work so the family continues to work. And that's the premise of the show. And your character, you bring that comedy edge to it in the way of, you know, of showing, hey, you're a father, but yet you're, you want to have fun with your kids. You want to do certain things while your ex is like, no, I don't, I want to keep it straight and narrow. So it's an interesting uh working back and forth in this in a relationship like that yeah, yeah and it, it comes from a real life situation and um uh, you know it's it's great when I, you could take your 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 life and make it art and uh laughing at my laughing at pain is a great thing and laughing with laughs and 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 just creating a forum that i can it's a cloud for me to just express my life and uh, it's a blank canvas, and, you know, it's kind of like um, life is creating the art. So what should we expect season two, uh, Marlon? Tell us about what we should expect in season um, two. For it to be funny. Um, I, I didn't think we could make a funnier show than we did uh, in season one. 
but somehow we managed to make uh, another 10 really funny, strong episodes. I think season two is funnier than season one. That's great. That's fantastic. And that's excitement of working with the cast. And I'm sure you enjoy the cast as well, working with them on a regular basis. I love my cast. Uh, I've, I've known each one of them outside of this for a long time. And I'm just really blessed to to be able to work with them. I think they're all so funny and all so talented. And we keep each other laughing and we're, we're all really good friends. And it's rare that you get this situation where you could go to work with people that you love and, uh, do what you love. So, you know, I'm blessed and I don't take it. I don't take it for granted. All right. Again, everyone needs to tune in Thursday night for the season premiere, 9 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And Marlon, where can we connect with you and stuff, social media wise and stuff? Oh, at Marlon Wayans on Instagram, at Marlon Wayans on Twitter. If you're listening to this right now, tweet me, at Marlon Wayans. I'm going to retweet you. Um, at, at, at Marlon L. Wayans on Snapchat and Marlon Wayans fan page on Facebook. Tomorrow, the premiere, of season two, Marlin at nine and nine thirty on NBC, and also you can binge watch season one on Netflix now. You love this, right? You see how important social media is, and all the media is to promote your show. And there you go, a family-friendly show that people can watch and laugh. And uh, it seems like you've really learned a lot of life lessons in your career, and best success and continued success with your career, Marlin. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right, take care, man. See you later. Okay. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley's show in the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program from the Real Housewives of Atlanta, Portia Williams. Portia, thanks for calling. How are you doing? And I know you're excited about Tuesday night, aren't you? Love connection, right? Yes, I am doing well. Thank you for asking. And yes, I am definitely excited for everybody to see what Andy and our Well, you think about the love connection. You think about the old love connection. Portia, that shows my age at 45, remembering that days. How about you? Do you have any memories of the old love connection before Andy? Oh, my God. Oh, my God, yes. I used to watch Love Connection all the time. I lived for the moments where they would really talk talk about the days that they had gone on and the woman sees it one way and the man sees it another way and you just <laughs> never know who they're going to pick at the very end. It was just always a roller coaster of watching that show. And you always remember when the commercial came, be back in two and two, right? Is, am I right? That was always what he would say for Love Connection, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. No, I said we'll be back in two and two. They would always say on the Love Connection at the commercial break. Right? Remember that? Oh, you don't? Yes, yes. <laughs> and you have to see, like, like, for me being on the show, it was just as nerve-wracking as it is when you're watching it. I think for the audience, it's like, oh, my God, you know, who's she going to choose? You know this guy's eliminated. You know you got two guys left. And for me, sitting on that couch, the decisions seem like life or death. All right. So you, so tell us specifically, so you are part of this and how are you part of this? Explain that whole thing. So you were, you were on the show, so you had to get worried about stuff. So tell me how you and Andy are connecting on the show Tuesday. Well, on the show, Andy is finding me love. So I'm the one who goes, gets to go on a date with the three guys. And Andy really handpicked these gentlemen. I would have to say, he did a really good job. Um, each guy was very cool in his own right. Of course, one of them stood out more than the other. Um, but I really took this process seriously. And, and I could tell through going through it that Andy did as well. And we had a whole lot of fun in the process. Absolutely, Portia. And let's kind of go into specifically enough the the process of the three guys without spoiling Tuesday night, because I'm sure Andy knows you so well, Portia, and say who's going to be the perfect types, but also ones that are going to make it really interesting, the dates, right? And he pretty much, I think, over the years has been a trend and made this type of guy that I dated. And I think he definitely put one in there to see if I was going to step out of my comfort zone and kind of catch me. Because if you want to have a different result, you got to try something different. And, you know, I appreciate the variety. 
And we're talking to Portia Williams of The Real Housewives Atlanta here on the Neil Haley Show, talking about love connection with Andy Cohen Tuesday night. We're going to find yeah. out the dates for Portia. Now, Portia, here, here's the funny part. Dating now compared to dating back in the day. So how much different is it? especially without spoiling. I don't want to spoil your dates, so everyone needs to tune in. But tell me specifically right. <laughs> enough about how dating is different now than, let's say, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, et cetera, et cetera, when, of a dating. Well, you know, for me in particular, it would be like, what, 10 years ago. And back in the day, it was really, you know, if the guy was fun, you know, if he is a great spot to go to in Atlanta, you know, kind of simple things. But now I'm older. I definitely want someone who has business about themselves. So I'm interested in maybe homebodies as opposed to somebody who likes to just be out. Um, you know, and I want somebody who is dating with a purpose, like not just out here just dating the date. Somebody who is dating to actually settle down because that's what I want to do. So my whole mind frame is different uh, going into it now. You want no drama, Portia. You want a homebody that's understanding your career, understanding how important <laughs> how important everything is, and that you're going to be a breadwinner in a certain way as well. Not, okay, I'm just here as the wife, right, or the girlfriend. You want somebody that's exactly. going to— is going to treat you as an equal in so many ways. I'm not going to talk about other relationships, even though I'd love to, a- to ask that question. You know why. But I'm I'm being cordial in this interview, Portia, just to promote what you're doing. But ultimately, you're looking for a guy that's going to respect you, respect your career, and understand that you are uh, an equal in so many ways in those dates, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. You know, and as far as the drama, I definitely don't want drama. But, you know, I there to keep the spice in the relationship besides having to be so imbalanced and you know as long as there's that mutual respect um i think i i want a partner i want somebody we could be a power couple you can have what you have i can have what i have and then we can grow together like that is the turn off for me it's us being able to grow together and you know be on the same level <laughs> So, again, we're talking to Portia Williams of The Real Housewives of Atlanta here on The Neil Haley Show. What would you say, Portia, do you want somebody that is known, very well known in the community? I mean, like a, a celebrity, or are you looking for somebody, homebody, that really you're the star in certain ways, and you're the one that the paparazzi is going to look at? Do you see yourself wanting somebody that is going to have that same high profile as yourself, if you're looking? I know on the show it wasn't like that, but I'm talking of our love life. somebody who was in the spotlight, they would have to be similar to me because I, you know, even though I am in the spotlight, I, uh, any of my friends will tell you, I am one to be out when I have to and in majority of the time. You know, I love house parties. I love cooking at home for my family. I love doing all that, you know, just just kind of down-to-earth type of stuff. So if it was like a cool uh, celebrity or somebody like that, I would. But really, I'm looking for the regular guy, you know, someone who's ready to start a family. Um, and someone who has his priorities together that, you know, and, and putting me and our future family, if we were to have one first, that's really what's important to me. You don't want ego. Ego is something that you don't want in this, in a relationship. You want it to be a partnership. You know, ego, and... ego. I... Yes, yes, ego. I don't, I don't want ego. I want confidence. I think it's a big difference. I don't want you to have a big ego that can easily be bruised and then, you know, now you're still Absolutely, Portia. And so give us the perfect guy in 30 seconds. What are you looking for? You talked about a homebody. You're talking about somebody that's confident but not cocky and arrogant. You're looking for somebody that's a partnership. Anything else? Let's talk about looks. What are you looking for? An athletic guy? Uh, what, what, What kind of looks are you looking for, Portia? In the looks department, I would just have to say they need to be attractive to me. I've been known to date guys that may not be attractive to other people, but just attractive to me. And really what's attractive to me is if we have good chemistry. So somebody who is deeming themselves, I don't like people who are kind of pretending just to like right. get to know me or pretending to, um, you know, agree with everything I say. Like that stuff irritates me. Just be you. Be honest. Be transparent. Um, and and be God-fearing, and, and, and that's pretty much it. 
All right, tune tune in Tuesday night to uh, Love Connection with Andy Cohen as Portia will be one of the uh, people dating some really cool guys. And best place we connect with you, you have social media, stuff like that. Portia, we can follow you and stuff. Where can we go? Oh, Portia, Portia for real on all social media. All right, Portia, great talking to you. Thanks for calling, and best of luck, and maybe you'll make that love connection. Okay, Portia? All right, take Thank care. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. You're welcome. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. You'll listen to the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program from CNBC's The Deed, Sydney Torres. Sydney, thanks for calling. And as I was talking to you off air, I just love talking to entrepreneurs, especially ones that are far more successful than I am. So, Sydney, thanks for calling. Well, thank you for having me, and it's an honor for all your kind words. I appreciate it. Well, I, it's it's something, Sydney, and let's just jump to this, and because again, what's important about this is anyone who's investing in specific, uh, you know. Uh, in, as, as an entrepreneur, taking a small business owner, they, they take chances, they take risks. And what you did, Sydney, in your life, you took risks, risks, especially involving the real estate game. But you really learned things that were more than just real estate through this journey. Correct, Sydney? Correct. Yeah. You, I mean, you have to take risks to have reward. And, you know, sometimes the more risks you take, uh, sometimes you, you get bigger rewards and, and sometimes you don't. If you don't do your homework and, you, and you're not careful about it and you don't surround yourself with good mentors. That, that's so, so true. Uh, surrounding yourself with the right people, Sydney. So who did you, who did you surround yourself with to become so successful? I think, you know, I, you know, I grew up, I, I had uh, dyslexia in school. I struggled in school. I didn't really know. I knew I wasn't going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And, you know, when I was coming out, I went to college for about a week, and I decided it wasn't for me. And I got a job working for, you know, a musician, Lenny Kravitz, for about a year and a half, two years on the road, uh, right out of high school, really. And, you know, I, I had plenty mentors in different type of industries. You know, I was around Lenny for some time in the music world. And then I got out and I decided I wanted to get into the real estate business, but I got a job working for a construction company sweeping the floor. And I worked my way up to a foreman until I got my general contractor's license. And I bought my first house in 1990, 98. And that's when I got into the business, but I surrounded myself. I have a bunch of friends and mentors and people I've met along the way you know, I think it's so important if you know a real estate agent or yes. a banker who's in the real estate business, it's important to try to surround yourself with people like that if you're going to get into the flipping business. I think it's so important. It's all about networking, Sydney, isn't it? It's all about networking to grow a business. It's all about relationships. Relationships, it's all about, yeah. Yeah, relationships, relationships, relationships. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, a lot of people go to these seminars, and actually one of the episodes, we have two uh, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. They were together. Uh, they met on Tinder. Uh, six months later, oh they go to this real estate seminar. They put they put a $30,000 on a 23% interest credit card to go learn about real estate. And really, they didn't learn anything in the seminar, but, you know, what I like about this show, and especially this Wednesday night, is it's really cool because we teach people exactly how to deal with, when they're going into the business, the first six steps you need to know. What are the first six steps you need to know? And that's, that's kind of like we go into it on establishing a budget, putting together what area you want to invest in, and putting together all your numbers to make sure while you're in your due diligence period that you're making sure that you're... Right. Checking everything so you you're, you have a positive you have a positive equity going into the deal, and so these are the things that other flipping shows don't teach. They always show you about the design, which we have design elements in our show, but we have so much more on the financial side on CNBC, being that it's a financial channel. You know, we teach these things in the front end, and I think it's so important. And so that's so, such an important thing. We're talking to Sydney Torres of CNPC's The Deed on the Neil Haley Show. And it's about taking risk. It's, and you like seeing this, that they, they're all in. Because to be successful in your business, you got to be all in. You have to. You have to be passionate about what you do. Whether And I even say that about, you know, even in business. It's not just about real estate. You know, when people come to me and say, I have an idea for a new app. You know, I have an idea to, to start this new business. I always say you cannot do it for the money. You have to be passionate about it. You have to live and breathe it. You have to know that you're not going to get sick of it within a, within a 30-day period or a 60-day period. 
you have to know that you're going to be all in. And I think that's so important to find what you're passionate about and do it and, and really stick to that more than looking at it from the financial or the money side of things of what you're going to make. Look at it more from the and – I mean, and I'm saying those things are important, but you got to find that passion first, and you're going to have way more success that way than trying to look at it just from the, the money standpoint. Again, we're talking to Sidney Torres of CNBC's The Deed here on the Neil Haley Show. And what should we expect this season, working with people and stuff like that compared to last season? This season is so much better than season one. And I say that because, you know, I put my heart and soul into it this season. We have seven episodes. Um, This Wednesday is a really cool episode. It's two guys that were partners, and they decided they were going to split up because they couldn't agree with things. But they had already bought a house that they've been paying interest in, in, in insurance and everything else on for, for uh, 120 days. And so they were upside down. It's a really fun, energetic episode. There's a lot of ups and downs, but at the end, it, it's very uh, rewarding to watch it because it's, uh, to me, I don't want to give it away, but to me, um, it's a beautiful story. And the individuals are very vulnerable. Their wives are in it. And I really like that you can learn from it. And I enjoyed making this season. I think this season is more inspirational. We have a lot of design elements. We show a lot of different uh, historic uh, for, for architecture and, and, and we, we, we tour the city more. We go through different restaurants throughout the city. So I think it's a much more improved episode than it was in season one. That's so, so great. And and I think the stories are what makes this show so great. I honestly say this is what makes CNBC so great the nights that you're on, Sydney. Because, again, it's all about entrepreneurship. It's all about being all in and doing the greatest thing in the world, which is that. You know what I mean? Well, I believe that. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I've done is, is I've been blessed with being, you know, with my success. I think it's so great to to give back and be part of part of helping um, financing people who can't go to the bank and get financing, showing them how to get financing when they don't have the tax returns to to go to a bank and get it, or they don't have the income state uh, income statements to go to the bank and get it, or they don't have any assets. And working with them because I see the passion in their eye, I see the homework that they did by researching the market, putting the project together, and they just need an opportunity. They just need a little opportunity to get started. I mean, I have two people that are working jobs nine to five that are one of the episodes, and they're working a job after. So they both have jobs after their regular jobs. They're raising a son. They've been trying to get financing on this house that they bought for like 10 grand right after Katrina, and nobody would finance them. By the end of this year, we've now on our second project, they're gonna gross over $900,000 between these two buildings, between these two houses, and they're going to net around 450. It's wow. totally changed their life, and now they can go and improve their neighborhood that they grew up in and continue to move on and, and be successful. So that's what's cool about this season is that it's very uplifting um, and positive compared to a lot of things that are on TV right now, and so uh, I hope everyone will give it a chance. Again, uh, as we're talking to Sydney Torres, Sydney, I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to real estate, flipping houses, IRA mortgages, different things like that, you really, and, and there's a mixture of them now, Sydney, where you literally get people to invest in a real estate and then purchase that property that you need to flip, refurbish it, but it's a team effort. And so you could be successful in this without, with someone else's money if you learn this business, right, Sydney? Wouldn't you agree? Yes, and th- and that's what the D teaches on CNBC. We teach that, you know, when we were work this uh, episode, the first premiere was on Wednesday, and we trended number five in the United States. We trended number five in the United States on Twitter, and it was just incredible because CNBC's never had a show that trended number five on Twitter. So we're really excited about the fact that you got. We have a lot of developers talking highly about it. That this is a show that's the real deal. It really teaches how to get into real estate without all the with all without all the fluff. You don't have to pay for it, and it's entertaining to watch. So that's what's really cool about it, to see the reviews, to see that we were trending on Twitter at number five in the United States, and that's really I'm I'm really proud of that, and I'm excited, and just I can't tell you I, I just hope. You guys in in your state give us a chance and uh, listen up. And that's the that's the situation for sure, Sydney. And it's it's uh it's uh really a great thing, and people need to tune in. But you agree that CNBC when they have these entrepreneurs, every entrepreneur needs to sit down and watch all the shows that are on, especially when your show's on and everyone else's. I, I think it's I, yeah. 
Yeah, CNBC has great programming. I think, you know, obviously it's the number one business channel. And, um, and I think that they, they are very um, keen on doing shows that really help other entrepreneurs coming up. They're really, they really want to show and, and give examples by demonstrating it on TV on what to do without having to pay for it. And that's what's so cool about CNBC. And I'm so excited to be part of their network. All right. So fantastic, uh, Sydney. Again, best place we can connect with you, social media-wise and, lo- and things like that. And I'd love that at one point, if you ever come to Pittsburgh, we need to connect, Sydney. We need to hang out, talk. I'm trying to be as successful as you with a bunch of different things. I have a digital marketing company, uh, social media branding, branding. I'm also getting back, a back. I have a back office company and vir- virtual assistant business. So I'm in this process of growing to a, a very large company and love to chat with you sometime. Uh, hopefully, you come into Pittsburgh sometime. We can have a coffee or something for sure. Yes. And like my grandmother always says, she's a 98 year old from uh, Italy. And she always says, you just, it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Something's going to stick. So when you, all those companies you said you have, and all the things you're doing, um, you know, one of them is going to take off real big. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for that uh, encouragement. That's what I need today. It's a tough day, just a Friday kind of drag, but I love entrepreneurship and I, couldn't, I wouldn't do anything else. Trust me. So uh, connecting social media at Sydney Torres, is that the best way on Twitter and stuff and Instagram and all those? Yes. At Sydney Torres, you can, yes, you can connect with me at Sydney Torres. And when you pull it up, you'll see uh, the deed on my handle. So you'll, you'll also see that. So just go at Sydney Torres and you can connect there. And, um, and I really appreciate you for having me on. And when I do come to Pittsburgh, I'm going to be looking for you to show me all the, the great spots to eat. Oh, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, man. So you got to come to Pittsburgh. People forget Pittsburgh's <laughs> now the hub because of my show. Trust me, my nationally syndicated show. I keep saying now Pittsburgh is going to be the place to be, even though it is already once you find out. So again, got to tune in to CNBC's The Deed with Sydney Torres. Thanks again for calling, man. Take care. Thank you, brother. All right. See it. You're cute. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment, Surreal segment, live from Miami. Not me, but my co-host, Sarah Bell. Sarah, how are you? And I talked about, again, Miami and the uh, just interesting thing. But you are learning very early in the radio game. You just can perform anywhere, anytime. It's all about the story, and it's all about having fun conversations. So, Sarah, thanks again for joining us. Oh, absolutely. I'm very excited, of course, to be here again from Miami. Um, But, yeah, it's great to be able to tune in, chime in from anywhere. And I'm excited to introduce our next guest, Lee Shapiro, former music director. Uh, Welcome, Mr. Shapiro. How how are you and how's your evening? Where are you you calling from? I am calling from New Jersey, where all of the Jersey boys came from. Frankie was always a recruiter from our state. Oh, really? Wow. Right. Yeah. So interestingly, let's kind of like to jump really quickly into, you know, specifically how you got involved in music. How I got involved in music, honestly, was uh, a calling. I saw, I saw it when I was eight, I saw a 12-year-old cousin play the piano and get all kinds of response from the family. And from there on, I was hooked, and I've never done anything else <laughs> for, for 50 years, 60 years, whatever it is. It's great. Awesome. And, you know, what do you look for in finding new talent? Well, honestly, I'll tell you the truth. The talent that we have, I'm not really a, uh, what we are as the hitmen is we are a collection of guys who all were with major artists in the 70s. I was one of the four seasons. Our guitarist, Jimmy Ryan, was with Carly Simon for 20 years. We have people in the band who have performed with Elton John and the Rascals and just on and on and on. And so we we take our, uh, we make our song list from those relationships. And as a result, we present to pretty much the baby boomers and a little bit younger, the music, the way they remember it, performed live with no gimmickry or electronic uh, additives. And it ends up being a real uh, travel back in time. And Leah, that's very interesting when you talk about that. You said you guys all were in with major groups, as you talked about, and you got all, came all together. What do you think? You, what was the reasoning that did you? There was a, was there a connection that got you all together, especially when being part of all those groups? Sure, absolutely. Well, what happened at first was what the and we've been doing this for about eight or nine years. 
and which is amazing in itself because a lot of us didn't perform for 30 years. We were doing production and arranging and things like that. But at the height of Jersey Boys, I've, I've maintained my friendship with Frankie Valley, having been one of the Four Seasons for 45 years. And about eight years ago, nine years ago, I was in the studio and he was there and I was visiting. And I told him I was thinking of doing this. And he was very supportive, said, like, go ahead, man. You were one of the Four Seasons. You can do whatever you want. Because a lot of the other sound-alike and tribute groups are limited as to what they're allowed to do of of the, of, of the hits from that era. Uh, but our guys, myself included, are all authentic members of groups and writers and performers, recording uh, artists. So uh, it, one thing led to another, and I ended up getting people from my past and sounding them. Uh, I knew Jimmy Ryan from the jingle industry. I knew Russ Velasquez also from the jingle industry. And, you know, hey, guys, you want to try going on the road? It's been a long time. And uh, we went out and tried it, and an agent saw us. We do 50 dates a year or so, and we've been doing it our eighth year. Wow. Very cool. And, you know, you mentioned that you worked with, you know, Paul McCartney, Elton John. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Jimmy Ryan is really the one with the most extensive studio uh, experience. And he was doing a, he had, Jimmy had, uh, was doing a session for Carly Simon because he was a musical director for a couple of decades. And they were doing uh, background vocals. And in walks Paul McCartney from another studio and says, Hey, can I, do you need any help with the background vocals? You know, what are you going to say? No, no, Paul, we're, you know, we're good. No, it's so of course. He came in, and uh, matter of fact, when we do music that reflects Carly Simon, we show video during our show depicting everyone's relationship with the artists that were performing. So that, so that's that's really interesting. So let's kind of talk about your most amazing story uh, when you were with the Four Seasons. Do you have like a story, Lee? That like you know that I have. Amazing. I have too many stories. For you. <laughs> I have a yeah, not, not enough time. A fifteen-minute interview, but yeah, just yeah, d- d- just kind of give us one of those nice stories uh, that uh, people I'll, are going to be I'm going to I'm going to give you the first story. I'm auditioning to be one of the four seasons and replace Bob Gordio. I'm 19 years old, and we're uh, I go to a rehearsal, and I'm sitting at the keyboard, and in walks Frankie. And keep in mind that, you know, this is 1973. Throughout the 60s, these guys sold billions of records. And here I am being considered to replace the writer and producer of those records. And Frankie walks in and says, uh, here, play this. And he puts the song Dawn down in front of me. And I hit a chord. And he goes, pretty as a midsummer morn. And I stopped. And he said, what's the matter? I said, man, you sound just like the radio. And everybody cracked up at my expense. But uh, the long and short of it is they took me on and I stayed with them for a decade. So it was a a very intimidating and yet exciting moment. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I'm super curious to know, because you, you know, maybe have the music on vinyl and A-track, cassettes. You know, you mentioned you've gone through everything, CDs and so on. How do you feel about the, you know, most recent things, the Spotify Virtual music, kind of on the go. How do you feel about that, and how is it affecting music today? First of all, unfortunately, my dear, you've got such a hum on this line that all I heard was how does that affect music today? Yeah. So, Lee, I'll I'll explain the question. Basically, she's talking about all the ways music's changed, all the ways we stream it now, Spotify, all that stuff. What do you think of that? Yeah. Well, here it is in a nutshell, in my opinion. Uh, and frankly, I, I've worked with Barry Manilow extensively, and he feels the same way. And that is, it's a different art today. Songwriting of yesteryear and recording and all of that stuff, the priorities were different. Uh, back then, it was all about the lead vocal performance and the melody in the song. That's really what, if you could do that, that's why so many of the songs from the past, you can sing them by yourself and, and it evokes, you know, the emotion of the songs. Today, I would have to say that the music is much more production-driven. In other words, it's not necessarily about evolving a beautiful melody as it is the actual sonic quality and the mix of the drums and the cleverness of the mutes in and out. And so it's really, it's really not geared to me. 
and I have a, a great respect for what the uh, is is you know whether it be uh, electronic dance music or hip hop or any of the, the the genres that are so popular today. I have a lot of respect for it, but I also have to say that it's different. It's 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 not better or worse. It's just a different way to communicate your art. It's kind of the difference between doing a painting and making a collage. One is starting from scratch and forming your images. And the other one, like a collage, is more like ripping off things that exist and putting them together and building your statement out of that. Both valid, just I have to tell you that I prefer the old way. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you do, Lee. And I want, and I think artists don't like it, again the ability not to share as much money. And now the days when albums, you made money on albums. Now you have to make money on tours. The the big ones. The money comes with the tour. Well, the Lee, fact, yeah, yeah, the fact that you're so well versed. It's actually, uh, I'm impressed that you're so well versed in that aspect of it. Because yes, when I was with Frankie Valley, uh, we toured to support the record sales. And today, with downloads and sharing and all that stuff, now you make the recordings to support your tour because that's the real uh, crux of income comes from actual live performance. And if you're not touring, you're not really in it anymore, whereas there used to be groups that were just recording and never toured, but that you won't find that now. Absolutely. And Sarah, I'm going to throw a millennial question out to you. How many of these artists do you know of their music when he brings up certain people like... Uh, uh, the Four Seasons and things like that. Are you familiar with that music at all, Sarah? Uh, you know, it might be beyond my time, personally, <laughs> as far as what a mainstream millennial person would know. I'm not going to lie. So I brought it up. Most people, the majority, would, pro- it would probably go right over their head. But not to say we can't uh, admire you know, music that was foundation to Music today. So I have a question, Lee. This will be interesting. 50s, 60s, what would you say you're familiar with if you're going, let's go from the 80s on in music? What era do you like better? 70s, 80s, 60s, 50s? Music. Well, 70s yeah. is where I yeah. 70s is where I show up. Yeah, I mean, for 70s sure. is my era. Yeah, so, so I love that. But, but honestly, uh, a lot of the stuff that happened in, in, in the, the 80s was trendy, and that's really the, the real introduction of of of, of uh, electronic recording and drum machines and stuff like that and then it kind of came back into the live world in the 90s and i kind of like that I, I like people playing i i certainly have a, a respect and an admiration for the amazing programming that goes on today but i also like the organic the human aspect of it one of my favorites was amy whitehouse let it make she rest in peace and and the things that draw from the past but make it their own today that's that's really what i admire the most sarah what kind of music if you, i was asking sarah on this question what kind of music would you say you like sarah and then ask another question sure. lee lee if you're not talking about today's music where what okay. yeah yeah well if i had to choose between you know 60s 70s and 80s and what people my age would probably know is probably 80s like things like i of the tiger is huge like celine dion so definitely 80s um like certain hit songs are, can be super popular well the it's interesting you should say that because you're naming ones of people who basically record the traditional way uh the police also and mm-hmm. cheap trick you know all these guys were bands which i, I love uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the studio group, although it has merit, but it's it's it seems a little premeditated to me. It doesn't have the s- spontaneity that I like to listen to. Well, I love the 80s, Lee. More than anything, the 80s are my favorite. I'm 45 years old, but the 80s are my favorite uh, time. But I'm into different music all the time. I look at it's kind of cracks me up. You talk about people touring. Warren G., which is a rap artist, I think, from the 90s, literally, he is in Pittsburgh performing at this small uh, place down in uh, outside, not even in the city of Pittsburgh. So you see a lot of these performers still performing, and, and live is the big thing that's happening more and more these days. And to see performers continue to perform for many years to come, and where it used to, hey, you made the money and then you were done. What do you think the reason is for that, Lee? Too. Yeah. Well, honestly, you know, I, I I really think that the the age thing it has fitted into the distance. And the people who had that originally was country music. It didn't matter how old you are with country music. Well, now rock and roll has been around so long, and pop music. Was- 